0: Right then. <clears throat> I think it's your turn to start, you know.
1: Is it oh, okay? Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in.
1: Oh, okay, fair enough. And welcome to The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. I am Emma Foster, and joining me as always is Mr. Mike Mould. Hello, sir.
0: Hello, how are you doing?
1: Very well. And yourself?
0: I'm fine, thank you.
1: Cool. And tonight, we're going to be talking about the televisual extravaganza, which was an adventure in space and time. Mm -hmm. A dramatic recreation of the tumultuous first three years of Doctor Who's existence, um, it was broadcast, as we're speaking now, what about four days ago now, um, just yep. after, we're talking to you just after the anniversary has now officially come to a close, the 50th anniversary celebrations, um, speaking of which... mike um, has uh, changed his skype picture to reflect Uh something that happened in the anniversary show It's actually fairly disconcerting i feel like he's going to (laughs) scream at me any minute but obviously i'm not going to reveal what it is in case i spoil the episode you might not have seen it yet so (laughs) (laughs) i can't talk about how odd it is actually i'm gonna have to minimize the window um So basically, yeah, an adventure in time and space. Let's um, let's talk about that. So let's talk about um, the lead up to it. I think initially. Mm. So what were your feelings going into it, Mike?
0: Well, when I first heard about it, I was intrigued. I mean, especially since it's being written by Mark Gatiss, uh, who I've always been like a fan of some of his writing, especially for Doctor Who. And um, when I heard it was a drama, I thought that I thought that would be quite interesting. Um, I was a little bit unsure of it at first, but then once once the photos from the production started to come through, I thought, okay, this is this is going to be pretty f- faithful. I mean, in the end, it's there's a few sort of like changes from like known history, but obviously that's for dramatic purposes. Um, but yeah, I mean, as soon as the first picture of uh, David Bradley as William Hartnell as the first Doctor came through, I thought, oh okay,
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> wow, yeah. Um... Yeah, those those first few pictures of the TARDIS console room, and mm. um, yeah, like you say, it's David Bradley and uh, the young lady who was playing Caroline Ford, as Susan. Oh my <laughs> who, God, dude! To grief, it looked like she'd been like plucked out of the sixties and put. I mean, it was incredible. That's scary. Her likeness, yeah. To, I think
0: to... I think even Caroline Ford herself was slightly freaked out when there. Yeah.
1: No kidding. <laughs> Actually, that um, that leads quite neatly into something that i was sort of well, not worried about but sort of was in my mind re- leading up to the broadcast hmm. when they announced this and the first picture started to come out i thought there really could be treading on toes here yeah because the the story of how the show was created and especially the events surrounding bill hartnell's departure i have heard it must be about eight different versions of this tale as to hmm. how he left why he left All the the, all the circumstances, what he was like to work with, what his personal he he was like personally. Mm -hmm. I mean, because there's lots of different stories. A lot of people absolutely adored him. A lot of people absolutely hated his guts. um, Found him hard to work with. Whatever. And I thought they're really going to have to be careful here because not so much because in this country, in the UK, our libel laws. You you basically you can't defame the dead. Mm. So as uh, Bill has now passed away you whatever you say about him you know no the family hasn't got any illegal recourse you know if you choose to portray him in a way in a drama that's up to you you know they can civilly sue you but they you you can't like end up in prison or something like that for libeling people yeah um the other thing is the but a lot of the people who were going to be dramatized in this are still alive mm. <laughs> um so i thought if this is disrespectful or if it or not that they'd be disrespectful I didn't expect that because Mark Gatis wrote it but I thought if if this isn't sensitively handled yeah um you know the people who were still alive and still had a lot of affection for Bill Caroline Ford William Russell is it you know people like that mm-hmm. you know it, it's going to do it could do a lot of damage to Dr Who the brand and its reputation I thought yeah you know if if he's not really careful he could really start he could really make some mountains out of molehills to be honest um yeah so i was a bit like "Mm, okay if you could i mean you know how's worris hussein gonna be portrayed because again he's still with us yeah you know it was sort of people it was people who were still with us i was sort of quite like you know because i was in i was impressed that they were actually going to make this drama with everyone who was going to be dramatized actually still alive Mm. you know i could see this happening in 25 years time when they're all gone
0: yeah
1: you know but not now so i thought okay all right. Well, let's see how this pans out. <laughs> and um, and especially as, I mean, um, I don't want to go into it too much, but there's at the moment, uh, looks like there's going to be some sort of legal pay- case pending um, against the current production for the use of the design of the TARDIS, which we're not going to go into no. because it's active at the moment. So. No we don't end up on anybody's radar needless to say um i did wonder if we were going to have this show pulled at the last minute or something like that um but no <clears throat> it all went smoothly and uh, so it was uh, let's get on to the broadcast so um mm. it, one word is just wow for this yeah. show absolutely incredible mm-hmm. hour and a half of tv yeah i think
0: like i said on uh, my twitter feed like an invention in space and time is the feels and Day of the Doctor is about the spectacle.
1: Oh, good lord! And how many feels? Oh, um,
0: good lord! Especially good the lord. end.
1: The lord, the end when he said, "I don't want to go." Mm, well, is,
0: and geez. yeah, we'll yes, get into and, him.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, but <laughs>
0: okay, so spoilers, people.
1: Yes, absolutely spoilers. I, if you, our I, I, thing is though, <clears throat> uh, looking at the, the viewing figures <clears throat> for this show came out um, sort of the day after they usually do, mm-hmm. and that was I was actually quite sad by the, it was only watched by 2.2 2 million people in this oh. country which i thought was a, a damn shame because mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of people who missed out on a really good just incredible bit of bbc drama because they thought oh it's about doctor who you know old doctor who i'm not really interested in that mm. um but if you're watching it as an outsider i mean even if you watch it outside it's not gonna it's not gonna. You're not gonna be like lost because it's like full of references. It's just a really good story about an actor essentially, mm-hmm. and his and some the most important role he did in his life, arguably. Yeah. Well, it's, so, it's
0: kind of like it's, it starts off as one story and then like switches in the middle because it starts off um, with Verity Lambert and Wallace Hussein struggling to get Doctor Who off the ground, and then sort of like around about the middle, the midpoint, it switches to become William Hartnell's story and how he was starting to suffer from his ill health and ultimately what led him to leave the show, as, as it were, and then the tradition of recasting The Doctor came into play. Um, it actually starts off um, in William Hartnell's story at the end, as it turns out that they're starting to film <coughs> The Tenth Planet, and then it winds back to
1: 1963.
0: Yeah. Um, so... How, uh, as on a, on a general sort of sense, how did you feel about the, the story?
1: Oh, I thought it was considering, like I say, the amount of times this story has been told mm. sort of anecdotally in conventions, in documentaries, on DVDs and the such, I really wondered sort of how they were going to tackle this. Yeah. Um, are they really sort of going to go down the fact that he was hard to work with, that it was his ill health, that he was pushed from the top? And really, they kind of amalgamated all these Mm-hmm. All these things into kind of a really nice narrative that, you know, they didn't shy away from the fact that Bill Hartnell was hard to work with. Mm-hmm. But it also um, really emphasised how much he absolutely loved the show, yeah. how much he cared about it really deeply mm-hmm. um, and how he felt about his, his co-stars and the direction and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, it was just, um, I think it was such a difficult balance to strike, especially if you're coming at it as a person who knows a bit about the history of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the mechanics they used to kind of, um, to show you it, like say if they started Bill's story kind of at the end and then zoomed in on the TARDIS console and wound back the clock <laughs> on the console and then started as, like you say, Verity, Lambert and Boris Hussain and Sidney Newman's kind of genesis of the show Mm -hmm. um and i really loved that they showed how passionate verity lambert was about it as well yeah like that she really drove through it was her belief and her relationship with waris hussein which um which was nice that the program acknowledged they went on to do many other things besides doctor who Mm -hmm. and formed kind of a lifelong career sort of sort of going between the two of them yeah Um, yeah it was just you know and as well you know, I like the fact that they sort of pointed out the incredible odds of a a Jewish woman, (laughs) an Asian immigrant Mm -hmm. gay man and (laughs) a Canadian man brought in from ITV, which was very looked down upon in the BBC days. Yeah. These kind of three misfits all came together and pushed this show to the front. And I think that's so, the (laughs) thing if it's so (laughs) doctor who, you know, these three people just (laughs) overcoming really incredible odds to, to get this show to where it is or where it was in the sixties, right into the peak of Dalek mania. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like that. I think there's so many cul de they could have gone down and sort of got stuck in almost.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, cause there's the story of, like you say, the failed pilot, mm-hmm. the, um, the, 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 the explosion of Dalek mania, mm-hmm. um, the, the first wave of companions leaving and new people coming in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this, and I like say, and Bill getting increasingly unwell. It, it there's so many little cul de sacs they could have ended up going down with. I mean, they could have done the whole thing about the first show failing and yeah. Sidney Newman saying, "I want you to do it again."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That could have been the whole show. Oh, but exactly, it's really, yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's really nice that they actually ma- that they managed to actually cover sort of everything. Yeah, that whole first three years.
0: Yeah, I mean. Um... The they the sort of like uh he it he, is just sort of like it sort of like gives you like the cliff notes, it doesn't like get too far into it. Yeah. So I mean, like at the end of at the end of the shooting of the, the original failed pilot, they were they sort of like amalgamated two sort of like problems they always had filming at Lime Grove was it was set it was like on a set clock. So if you weren't done by ten, that was it, power would go, lights would be off, that was it everybody with yeah. down tools and because it was so small and it was overheat so much, it would set the sprinklers off and he's sort of like, <laughs> it was a great moment when he sort of like mashed the two together and it's, it's sort of yeah. like, is it
1: hot in here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that was the thing it, that was, I'll say the, the skill with which he kind of amalgamated all these little events together mm. was really incredible. I mean, the fact that, I mean, although there's not, not every player, sort of every person who was involved in, in the show. Yeah. Like, I think Sydney Newman's character was kind of a mash together of a few different people. Um,
0: um,
1: I think, because um, although that, although Sydney, um did all the things that you, sh- you see in the show, mm-hmm. I think there were some other people involved at sort of the design level and kind of the ideas level. You didn't, who, you know, had minor parts. They kind of just, the lines they yeah. would have had, they gave to Sydney Newman essentially. Um, but on the other hand, like Delia Derbyshire mm-hmm. getting a, getting a little Another cameo, yeah. of, which was lovely. Um, yeah, it, the, it, it was really skillful. Of, mm. uh, I mean, uh, things like the, the struggle that Verity Labber had trying to get the design for the console done, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's a whole big long story on its own, but just the thing of him fi- her finally wearing this bloke down, he goes right, bang, bang, bang. And then just sort of pops the things out the there, there out of the wall and just goes, there you go. Done. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> again, yeah. that is, it, that is basically how it happened. But obviously it took much more time than you see in the show, but the skill mm. was to just make it a little vignette almost. Yeah. And you get the gist of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's sort of also the thing you sort of get when, you know, you have um, Carol Ann Ford and Jacqueline Hill and really much leave leaving, and you get sort of like like Maureen O'Brien and things, and they sort of just sort of, you know, like Jackie Lane and, and what have you, and when you bring in Ben and Polly, and they're just sort of like, they're glossed over because really by that point it's about William Hartnell.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I, I was becoming ever more distant because there's a there's a moment I think when they're filming is it the massacre of Saint Bartholomew's Eve? Yeah. And he does that sort of monologue, and then he sort of sees himself in the reflection of the camera lens, and he realizes he's the only one out of the original team left, and it just breaks him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, that
0: was just it was like, oh god, dude, you know, he's
1: no, the only one who knows how to switch on all the things underneath the yeah. console, yeah, to you get know. the time
0: rotor going, and.
1: Yeah, I mean, and he's saying about it's important that I mean, right, I mean, what was nice is that whole thing that it was very famously the Bill mm-hmm. that Bill Hartnell was very insistent on pressing all the same buttons every yeah. time he did a certain thing, um, and it wasn't and, because of
0: some sort of like sort of actor sort of obsessor's composer It's all it is because he says quite clearly in the show the kids will watch and they'll notice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they'll
0: they'll know he's he's flicking the wrong sweet things. I mean, even uh his granddaughter bless her um put not, notices when he does a fluff uh during the filming of the daleks he mm. he, he miss says one of his words which was there was kind of bill harton sort of infamous thing he would, he would always like mix up the words somewhat and but she sort of like manages to twist it like in her own like head like her own like child logic because he says um something about i'm gonna eat gloves instead of drugs and she says, "Oh well, you, you said that because you're the doctor, and you know that you can't touch the Daleks without special gloves because it'll hurt you." I thought mm-hmm. that was like really sort of like like sweet little moments like that.
1: Yeah, I was like, I really, I, yeah, that. Um, but like I say, they say that that sort of stuff about his ca- him his personality and mm-hmm. that they brought that to the fore, and they really like balanced it out against his irascibility, mm-hmm. um, which was notorious. Um, was was lovely. Um, yeah I just I was blown away by it from mm. beginning to end, and what I said to Chuck was it was remarkable is I know exactly how that story pans out. Mm-hmm. I know the history of Doctor who nineteen sixty three to nineteen sixty six but that moment when um they the pirate fails, and Sidney Newman kind of summons them to mm-hmm. to the restaurant and um I was saying to Chuck, I'm tense, I don't know why I'm tense as I know yeah. what happens it all turns out all right, but yeah the drama was so, it was sort of so compelling and so good. I was all like, oh, on the edge of my seat because, you know, I, didn't, I wanted the, this thing to succeed.
0: Yeah. And it's also like <laughs> sort of the bit where Sidney um, Newman calls Verity into his office after the Daleks first gets broadcast. And she's like standing there really nervous because Sidney Newman was very famously against... Well, not so, not so like so much the Daleks, but any sort like bug-eyed monsters. I, I mean, he, he even puts B-E-M's. it in BEMs, yeah. Yeah. And um, there's this moment where she's just like standing, and he's just sitting at his desk writing away, smoking, and uh, you actually kind of like feel like you sort of squirming along with verity language just think i mean mm. again you know how it turns out because you know the dark's popularity completely exploded um mm. but you 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 sit there watching this and you're sort of going oh god i feel really uncomfortable it's like being summoned yeah. to the headmaster's office you know
1: it really is as well yeah <laughs> i mean um i know uh, it, it's nice that as well they didn't kind of almost focus on because um, again it would have been very easy to sort of focus on the whole thing of the narrative of verity lambert being the only female producer and how did mm-hmm. she get the job and i mean it sort of touched on but not i mean again that could have been the whole story yeah but i mean it, uh, it wasn't
0: yeah i mean the, this obviously like people like whispering like oh it should be sleeping with it but it's it's just sort of like it's mentioned and then she's never brought up again she just like shrugged it off because obviously it's Bollocks! And um, there's a moment when she's—I think she—is it when she's storming towards uh, the the production office again yeah. to get the TARDIS console. There are people looking. And she just glares right back at
1: them. Yeah, it's like what? Exactly what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was—it was, it was just—it was such a nice, uh, just such a nice program. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, but the the real kick for me was the two end, well, so not two endings, but there's mm-hmm. two big beats in it, which we've really got to talk about because. Oh, yeah. Um, the first one being um, David Bradley, full stop. The man mm. deserves. Oh
0: my God! All, dude.
1: all the awards, all yes. the masters. If I mean, regardless of what you think about Doctor Who and any of that, it's such a performance. Oh, he, he, he just he just sucks you in. The man is Bill Hartnell. Mm,
0: he nailed it. Absolutely, I mean,
1: absolutely nailed it.
0: Even when like like Verity and Morris are doing the pitch to him over dinner, and you know, so and. Verity makes a grand speech about his C.S. Lewis meets H.G. Wells. You now that's the Doctor, and he sort of, he grabs his lapels, goes Doctor Who. Hmm?
1: Yeah, he just absolutely
0: <laughs> nails. And one of the one of the bits I always liked was um, like right at the very beginning when Bill was getting a little bit difficult with Verity, and she was struggling to like hold interest, and Sydney Newman comes along, and just sort of gives this sort of most actor massaging. Yeah, Baked. little
1: speech. Yeah, but I really like the part of that. Actually, when they're all finished, very he says, "Oh, thank you," and he says, "Take care of him, or mm. I'll replace you." And I was like, "Wow, okay, <laughs> serious shit." You know, because you expect him to. Oh no, no, don't worry about it. But um, yeah, uh, that it was just so. It was so absorbing. You never mm. thought for a second that is somebody playing Bill Hartnell. No. He just. I mean, because a lot of the whinging that I saw online, as there inevitably always is, um, was saying, "Doesn't look like him." Oh, for God's sake! And then seeing that because they put that picture out of the, the do up of the first annual mm-hmm. with his with obviously with David Bradley's face on the annual and him holding it up to next to him and all that sort of thing. I thought that was and a brilliant people, touch. Oh it was brilliant, but people were going, it's a sacrilege, rah, 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 rah. but I just thought I just really hope the people who said that watched this show and ate their words because mm-hmm. it was just just so good. And I'll say the end where um Say the version of events that uh, Venture Time and Space has mm-hmm. um, is that increasingly Bill is uh, becoming extraordinarily difficult to work with. Mm-hmm. Can't remember his lines. Um, is um, digging his heels in with the directors, and there's a huge stack of memos about him. Mm-hmm. And Sydney Newman calls him along to the office and says, Bill. Time for you to go, mate, mm-hmm. essentially. and But his, Bill had also come to the conclusion with his wife, essentially, sort of saying to him, you need to stop because mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is too much. And this is whole, that whole thing of by mutual agreement. They yeah. decided that, Bill's going to go, and kind of the harshness of um, sort of saying, I've already found your replacement, essentially, and this is him. Um, No, but the scene where he goes home and breaks down and says, I don't want to go, it just ruined me.
0: And even the little bit beforehand where he's driving home and he sees a police box in the distance and he just stops and just stares at it. And then the policeman comes along and sort of says, is everything all right, sir? And he's just sitting there looking at it. And then they realise the policeman realises who he is and he just like, he drives off because he knows he's not going to be the doctor for much longer. And that that, that was another bit, but the scene where he just breaks down at the fireplace, it's just like, oh God, you know.
1: It's like oh don't do this to me, but yeah. you know it's um I think what an interesting part thing that they played up in in this um, drama mm-hmm. is how insecure he was as a person that he was so and that kind of that conflict with him is that he wanted to do better things but he was so non self confident and insecure he mm-hmm. didn't almost know how to apply himself to do more high grade as he would see it acting mm-hmm. or that you know anything other than the army t- or tough guy roles that he was sort of pigeonholed into yeah that he just didn't know he didn't know how to get out of it but mm-hmm. getting offered doctor who and hoping to get out of it he's got this golden opportunity and mm-hmm. he just thinks i can't do it yeah i can't do it and it's, it's his own insecurity that nearly sort of blows this out of the water, he just keeps saying, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And it mm-hmm. was just more that people kind of say, Yes, you can, yeah. and we believe in you and I'm gonna help you and all this sort of thing, sort of dragging him through. And he relied I think the emphasis that he relied so much on the com- the people playing the companions and Verity and Warrior saying Yeah. Um he relied so much on them, not just to stroke his ego, but to re you know, to be there as like a crutch for him. So mm-hmm. as people started to change he didn't have that support network anymore, and those insecurities crept in.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting when you look at like all the protocols with the later companions, like Dodo and like Ben and Polly. He's getting more and more further away from them.
1: Yeah, more distant.
0: Yeah, and he's he's looking even like he's even looking slightly bewildered.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, especially
0: especially in the last one with Ben and Polly. He's just sort of like you know what's going on. He, he doesn't even like know where he's. It's, it's almost like the the show's changed around him and he just is only just like cottoned on you know
1: yeah. it's just interesting that like i say i mean listening to panels with people who worked with um worked with him as companions so like peter purvis and maureen o'brien and mm. people like that sort of saying that he was lovely but there's always hmm. that sort of big butt that he was. He would fly off into a rage, you know, half a dozen times a day about something or other. And mm-hmm. Roy and O'Brien would kind of have to laugh him out of it. And um, Peter Purvis. Uh, also I was at a convention um, the, uh, the other day, and hmm. um, Peter. Pur- we saw Peter Purvis at a panel, and he was saying that um, uh, he had um, Bill sort of had no sense of irony. Yeah. Or, you know, kind of um, <laughs> sort of self-introspection in the fact that um, very famously the, uh, the word fuck was used for the first time on British TV. <laughs> Are you, have you heard this story before? No, I haven't. Right. Yeah, so fuck, someone said fuck on TV. <laughs> and um, this, called, of course, caused outrage in mm. the 60s. And Peter Purvis had uh, Bill and some other people around his house. And uh, Peter said to Bill, oh, Bill, what did you uh, make of Bill this thing uh, on the TV the other night? And Bill Hartnell, of course, flew off into this huge rage of, I can't believe this happened. And uh, Peter Perlman <laughs> said, it, and and of course he said, not with fucking children in the rooms, all this sort of thing, but just, and everyone fell about laughing except for Bill. He just had no, yeah, like no sense of that sort of irony about himself. You know, yeah. he couldn't sort of realise what school. he said and laugh. Yeah, he's proper old school, Yeah. And he had, I think, let's like say, he, he seems to have an absolutely dreadful chip on his shoulder about the quality, as he saw it, of work that he did. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, which is understandable because when you sort of like, you're constantly being cast as sort of these hard ma- hard guy sort of, you know, sergeant roles. If that's really all you do in all your career, when you want to do be- bigger and better things and you sort of haven't got the confidence or knowledge how to really apply that... That, that that really would grate on you, I think. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I can see why it absolutely would grate on you. And I think that, um, especially at that time with the whole thing of rep and weekly theatre mm. and you're doing Shakespeare every week, these great plays, you know, um, and then you end up just playing drill sergeants, essentially, and yeah. uh, corporals and stuff. You know, you think, where is where is my King Lear? You know, mm-hmm. I was on, <laughs> doing my st- you know, where is my huge starring role you know yeah
0: yeah um but uh so so should we talk about uh some more of the cast
1: yeah let's talk about all the cast. so i mean i I think it was i I think that's the thing that really sold
0: Mm.
1: i mean everyone was fantastic there wasn't a a bad performance amongst them i don't think i just think everyone was so sort of on on point and mm-hmm. you know just as you know even down, not so much down to looks although like we say the lady who played caroline Ford was mm-hmm. incredibly like her yeah um well,
0: i think um Gemma powell who played jacqueline hills was, oh, was yes, pretty damn yeah. on the nose as well um jamie yeah. glover is william russell not so
1: much but enough to enough yeah yeah, yeah. um I'd say uh, another thing it was like there was some very nice little cameos as well oh uh, yes <laughs> william, william russell was the car park attendant yeah. Um i saw annika wills and um gene marsh. marsh yeah, yeah. Uh, verity's leaving party uh nick briggs is in it uh, <laughs> peter
0: hawkins yeah, that was great
1: yep yeah. um toby haydoke
0: yes the, he was, the barman, was wasn't he? the
1: barman yeah yeah i mean it was just um, i'm sure when i watch it again i'll spot some other
0: um, Carol Ford yeah. was in it. Uh, oh, yes, she, she was, was yeah. yeah, she was that lady in the rollers out in the street calling the the kids to come in. Oh yes, yeah, watch Doctor Who. That was her. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. So it was just I think the cameos were beautifully judged as well. It was a mm-hmm. thing of like if you know who these people are, you will spot them. If not, it doesn't make a difference no. essentially. Um, yeah, I just thought everyone was so good. I mean, mm. the, um, the young man who played a uh, Waris Hussein, yes. Um, Again, just just fabulous. I mean, something that could have been a really nothing role mm-hmm. um, was great. And the fact that the man who you're playing watched it and went, "Yeah, brilliant," you know, it's, <laughs> what more can you ask for? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought everyone was so perfect. I mean, Brian Cox, who we call <laughs> evil, we call him evil Brian Cox in this house to distinguish him from the physicist Brian Cox, because um, he usually plays baddies. Yeah. Um, you know, was so fabulous. He's, so, I mean, he's one of those amazing character actors. Of you know, you just forget that it's. Yeah, Brian Cox in capital letters.
0: Yeah. I, lo- I love a Sydney Newman when he's sort of like out and about, like in, in in private. He was just like a more regular guy, but when he's sort of like talking to like Bill or whoever, he was. It's sort of like this sort of old sort of fifty sort of Hollywood style of, kid. I'm going to put you in pictures. It'll be great, <laughs> yeah. you know. We've got this great idea when I take it up Broadway. It's it's just great. It's sort of.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just that really kind of cheesy, yeah. over-the-top producer thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it it, it could have just been like a cartoon character, like yeah. Bugs Bunny or something. But when he sort of does the serious stuff, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's really good. I mean, that say so that scene between him and um, Bill of, you know, selling Bill that he was um, taking a long walk off a short plank, essentially, mm-hmm. um, was incredibly touching i mean yeah. cause it it could have been, it could have been gone so wrong but it just was great
0: yeah and and also sort of uh, as we've mentioned the the bit after the daleks first broadcast and he's just like sitting there and verity's thinking she's in me doo-doo and he just Fact. goes yeah, yeah just just goes 10 million views and he sort of gives her a small smile he's like the hell do i know
1: yeah that <laughs> was great
0: this is like you know it's, it's got all this like showmanship but he's not afraid to admit that he's wrong yeah you know what I mean it's, it's, that was great
1: really i mean he's the boss that you all sort of want in that mm. he will throw himself in front of a bus for you mm-hmm. but also kind of tell you how it is so yeah. um yeah it's uh, it is a it was just it, i i it's part, it sounds awful that we're just sort of gushing about it but i really can't think of anything to fault this show with
0: the the only th- mm, well the only sort of bit that i wasn't I don't say I don't want to say I wasn't keen on it, but it's 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 hard because hard I, I don't want to like slate him because he was only in for very briefly. But Reece Shearsmith as Patrick Troughton. because
1: oh okay yeah I will I will sort of
0: yeah He wasn't bad.
1: Yeah, I mean he, he, he got a lot. Of, enough, he just didn't look enough like him. Yeah. to Yeah. Uh, I mean, dear old Pat Trouton notoriously had a couple of families knocking about um, <laughs> and he's got a lot of kids and a lot of grandkids mm-hmm. who could have, who actually look freakishly like him yeah um you know but like that being s- Trout and you know yeah you not got him <laughs>
0: yeah but that being said i thought rishi smith did manage to capture some of his sort of like uh, mannerisms quite nicely it's I like know. when um bill says to him oh uh, it says like about recommending for the part, and uh, Pat says, "Oh, couldn't they get him?"
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, I mean,
0: that's that's such that's such a like a Pat Trouton thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, because I was again, I was listening to a paddle, a pad, paddle,
0: paddle panel
1: with uh, Wendy Padbury who played mm-hmm. Zoe, and she recounted this tale of getting a phone call from Patrick Trouton about doing conventions, mm-hmm. and apparently he just sort of shouted down the phone, "Padders, you must do a convention with me," <laughs> you know. So you know, it's sort of things like that. It's just. Yeah, it, it, that was just how he was. Mm. So, again, I like that, but I think it was just kind of... He's obviously wearing kind of a shit wig. Yeah, but, um, you It's know, not it like doesn't... the Richard
0: Herndall of uh, yeah, Adventure he in Space it. and Time. For those who are not aware, um, Richard Herndall was the man who played the first Doctor in The Five Doctors. And he kind of... And his um, the Easter egg um, commentary on the, the 20th, 20th anniversary DVD, was it? Or the 25th anniversary, I can't remember. But uh, with when David... 20th, yeah. 3-5th, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, David Tennant is it's, it's it's three doctors and a bloke in a wig.
1: <laughs> oh, no, it's three doctors a bloke in a wig and a wax work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's kind of the vibe I got from Reshires. Me. I mean, bless him, he's a he's a good man, but it just sort of I don't know, wasn't
1: Oh as my as my friend said, always well it's jobs for mates, isn't it? Mm. Oh Possibly, that's true. gentlemen, so
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But I mean,
1: apart from that, I mean, if that's the only thing you're gonna complain about, mm. it's huge success <laughs> oh, it's a huge, huge success yes mm. as they would say in um, portal anyway so um yeah so i think we should get on to the the real choker of oh. the, uh, the night when um bill stands there looks off into white space and there's matt smith
0: that was just him. awesome
1: it could have it oh, i it, think it, it verged right on the teetering point of cheese yeah not too much uh, but it was right there. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I turn around and look at Chuck and he's wiping a tear away, mm-hmm. um, you know it's working.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that is something that could have gone so wrong. Oh, but yeah. I think, like, Mark Edison and the crew did it in such a way that it didn't get there. But it yeah. was also sort of like, a I mean, obviously, you know, Matt Smith's not really there. But he's It's sort of like an imagining of... Um, William Hartnell as well, so, you know what I mean? He's sort of yeah, like a, say, a metafictional, um, like yeah, apparition, I'll... but it's just sort of like to say, like, yes, it goes on and it keeps going on, and it's and everything will be fine.
1: Yeah, the you know that he. Obviously, Bill had no awareness and mm. couldn't have the, of the legacy that he was starting. But oh, yeah. Um, yeah, to have that little moment was lovely. And mm. actually, if if you will indulge me, um, mm. I'll bring up a brief theory I had about when we watched Day of the Doctor. Okay. And extreme spoiler warning: if you have not seen <laughs> Day of the Doctor, please fast forward this show about two minutes. Um, but I thought right at the end of Day of the Doctor, before the curator came in, because mm-hmm. when Matt Smith is standing against the extreme, like a white background. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to pan around and he would see Bill. Uh, like, the David Bradley version. Like, so they would mirror it in mm-hmm. that, like that end there and that end there. And that would be the end of the show. Yeah. But obviously what they ended up doing was much better or different, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how I thought that that would end. Anyway, come back everyone who didn't want that spoiled. Come back <laughs> it's safe now.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's anything else we could really say about it. I mean,
1: it was amazing. All yeah. I was going to say is if, because I know that it was sort of not easily available in the States. I know it was on BBC America, but I believe that's a subscription channel mm-hmm. um, over there. If you can obtain it, mm-hmm. <clears throat> obtain it and mm-hmm. you can see my uh, my air quotes, um, <laughs> by entirely legal means, yes. then you, you, it's a must watch. I don't care oh, if you're absolutely. just a new series fan, you know nothing at all about the, the genesis of the show or you're, you're not particularly interested in it. Leave all that stuff behind. If you just want to see a cracking bit of top-notch BBC drama, oh yeah, must watch this. It is an incredible. Watch,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the eighty the eighty odd minutes it is just whoosh, flew by for me. Oh yeah, it was just it was just absolutely compelling from beginning to end.
0: <laughs> I'm surprised they managed to get away with all the smoking they showed.
1: <laughs> oh my god, so much smoking.
0: <laughs> Even the pregnant woman. <laughs>
1: Especially the pro, because it's what I've seen. They tell you it's good for you back then, didn't they? Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I got to reflect that it was the nineteen well, sixties and every bugger smoked, you know. So <laughs> even the dogs. <laughs> even they uh, say, and they say it was quite strange that you know watching, um, you know, Bill Hartnell or David Bradley sitting in his costume and puffing away on a fag. I mean, it's always quite. Oh, well, Cybermen you know? even. Yeah, the Cybermen. they you know <laughs> very famous. I mean, because all in those days, all used to smoke. When you watch mm. uh, like behind the scenes stuff or interviews with uh, like Pat Trout and he's puffing away on a fag while he's talking and so hmm. John Pertwee and all this sort of thing you should be, oh don't do that <laughs>
0: <laughs> I suppose they even love the Cybermen to smoke you'd think if, the, if any Ash got them, they'd just go up in flames
1: <laughs> yeah well I mean uh, very famously I believe that I think is it David Wisher who played Davros first <laughs> Uh, yeah. You know this story that Tom Baker tells about he would for the rehearsals he'd sit with a paper bag on his head <laughs> to represent the um,
0: the prosthetics the, the mask the prosthetics
1: yeah. and apparently he just made a hole in it for his cigarette so <laughs> it would just be a paper bag smoking with smoke billowing out of the top of the the bag you know
0: <laughs> oh bless but smoking is not cool kids yeah no, don't just, do th- it don't do it so. We'd like to hear your thoughts about Adventure in Space and Time, if you've seen it. Uh, you can email us at uh, greatestshow at simplysyndicated.com or you can follow us on Twitter at greatestshowpod. Also, we have a Facebook page, Emma.
1: We do. It's the Greatest Show in the Galaxy podcast.
0: Yes, it's at facebook.com slash greatest show Podcast. Well, thank you very much, Emma.
1: Thank you, Mike. And we'll see you next time.